0: Hey guys, Deb's here, and welcome to a new episode of Deb's Watchlist. Today, I'm gonna be talking about the Oscars, which happened this past Sunday. And if you're thinking, whoa, what? The Oscars happened? You're not alone. Thanks to the pandemic, this year's Oscars has had quite the bumpy ride, from logistical challenges, to pushing back the awards date to little public awareness, of it even happening. But, as the saying goes, the show must go on. So how did the Oscar show go? Eh, It was definitely different from previous years. Because of COVID protocol, it was definitely a much smaller, more intimate, and less extravagant production. And there was definitely a mix of highlights, lowlights, and everything in between. So today's episode is going to be a quick take on the good, the bad, the awkward of this year's Oscars, followed by a quick overview of the Best Picture nominees in case you'd like to do some Oscar catch-up. So let's first start with the good. Despite the logistical challenges posed by the pandemic, the Oscars still happened. And that is an achievement in itself, given how many live events like film festivals have all been canceled due to COVID. Also, unlike many other award ceremonies this season, there weren't really any technical glitches at the Oscar. Mainly because the Academy instituted a no-Zoom rule. Basically, no one could call into the ceremony to give an acceptance speech, so if you want something, you had to be there in person in order to speak on air. So that's why it was actually quite remarkable to see how many of the nominees managed to navigate COVID travel and guidelines to be present for the ceremony. But it was also precisely this no-zoom rule that would pave the way for a very awkward Oscar finale, which we'll get into later. Another huge positive for the Oscars this year, diversity. This year featured the most diverse slate of nominations, Nine of the 20 acting noms went to People of Color, which set a new record. And 70 women, that's 7-0, received nominations. Most notably, Chloe Zhao and Emerald Fennell, who became just the sixth and seventh woman ever to be nominated for Best Director. The Oscar results also marked wins in diversity. Daniel Kaluuya took home Best Supporting Actor for his performance in Judas and the Black Messiah. Yoon Yo-jung became the first Korean actress and just second Asian actress to take home Best Supporting Actress for her work in Minari. Chloe Zhao became the second woman, but the first woman of color, to win Best Director for her movie Nomadland. And Mia Neal and Jamika Wilson became the first Black woman to be nominated and win the award for Best Makeup and Hairstyling for their work in Moraine's Black Bottom. Definitely seems like the Academy has made some progress since its hashtag OscarSoWhite controversy back in 2015. So here's to hoping that things will continue to get better in the years to come. So now that we've talked about the good, let's talk about the not so good. Basically, the bad news this year is that Oscar viewership ratings hit an all-time historic low. They barely cracked 10 million viewers, which marks a 58% drop from last year's numbers, which was already a record low. But honestly, this wasn't too surprising, given two things. One, the lackluster rating of other award ceremonies this year, like the Grammys and Golden Globes, both of which hit some new lows. And also two, the lack of public awareness and interest in this year's nominated films. Surveys before the ceremony show that most people haven't even heard of the Best Picture nominees. In fact, a survey of 1,500 people by Variety showed that there was only a 35% awareness of Nomadland, which is the movie that took home Best Picture. So it wasn't too surprising that people didn't tune into this year's ceremony. After all, if you've got no one to root for... Why watch? Fun fact, the Oscars with the highest ratings was in 1998, when 57 million people tuned in to see the smash hit Titanic sweep the awards. So yeah, there is definitely a correlation between Oscar ratings and audience familiarity with the nominees. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic this year, which closed a lot of theaters and upended how people hear about and watch movies, No one really knew the nominated films, so the fact that the Oscars hit a historic low in ratings was definitely not a shocker. The low ratings are going to spell bad news for ABC, the television network that broadcasts the Oscars, mostly because it's going to probably impact advertising revenue. There's usually a premium for ad slots during award ceremonies like the Oscars, but given last year's poor performance and this year's dismal performance, all of that is likely to change. Personally, I think that award ceremonies like the Oscars probably gonna continue to see low ratings even when things go back to quote unquote normal because audience media consumption habits have already dramatically changed. For example, thanks to streaming, people are now used to on-demand viewing. So no one really feels an urgency to have to watch things the moment they air Because there's always going to be some way to watch it later at a more convenient time or when the audience is in the mood for it. Furthermore, people's attention spans are now much shorter, too. I mean, just look at how popular TikTok is. So who would actually be interested in watching the entire two to three hour long ceremony when you can catch the most important or exciting highlight clips on social media after? Unless award ceremonies come up with a way to make the live viewing experience irreplaceable by on-demand viewing, I don't think many people are going to be tuning into these award shows even once the pandemic is over. So I think that's why ratings are suffering in general. And of course, this year the pandemic also just made things even more challenging. So we've talked about the good, the bad, and now we end with the awkward. I don't know if you guys remember, but a few years ago there was a Best Picture mix up between La La Land and Moonlight, and that probably took the gold medal for most awkward Oscars moment. But this year, might be a close second. So, for the first time, the Academy flipped the order of the ceremony this year. Usually, Best Picture is awarded last. But this year, the last award presented was actually Best Actor in a Leading Role. Why? Well, the Academy was betting that Chadwick Bozeman, who was the front runner in this race, would win posthumously for his role in Moraine's Black Bottom, and that would have given the ceremony an unforgettable, emotional, climactic ending. So, what actually happened? Anthony Hopkins unexpectedly won for his role in The Father and he wasn't even at the ceremony due to covid precautions and since the oscars also banned zoom he couldn't call in to give his acceptance speech either so it was just a very abrupt congratulations and good night from the academy so there you have it the good the bad and the awkward of oscars 2021 and now if you're thinking wait So which movies were nominated for Best Picture? Here's a quick intro to the eight nominees. So in no particular order, let's kick off with Nomadland, which took home the prize. Written and directed by the now Oscar-winning director, Chloe Zhao, the film stars Frances McDormand in her Oscar-winning performance as Fern, a woman who takes up a nomadic lifestyle after losing her job during the Great Recession beautifully shot, the movie focuses on the theme of grief and how one comes to terms with immense loss. And the movie has also garnered a lot of attention for its use of non-professional actors. Many of the people who appear as nomads in the movie are actually real nomads and so some of the stories they share are actually authentically their own, which lends a raw, moving touch to the film. Next, we have Sound of Metal. I actually dive deeper into this movie on my blog, Deb's Watchlist, so you can read that if you want a bit of a longer analysis. But basically, the movie stars the phenomenal and Oscar-nominated Riz Ahmed as a heavy metal drummer who starts to lose his hearing. What stands out about this movie is its innovative use of sound. It often switches between normal sound and what things sound like from the protagonist's perspective as he loses his hearing and so that allows the audience to feel much more vividly what he is going through. So, no surprise that this movie took home an Oscar this year for Best Sound. Another nominee for Best Picture is the black-and-white Hollywood film, Mank. Directed by David Fincher, the movie is about Hollywood screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz. As he finishes writing his screenplay, for one of the most iconic classic Hollywood films of all time, Citizen Kane. This movie is also a Netflix original, showing the streamers increasing presence in award circuits and in prestige film. Next up, we actually have another Netflix original film, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Written and directed by Aaron Sorkin and featuring an ensemble cast with the likes of Sasha Baron Cohen, Eddie Romaine, Mark Rylance, and Jeremy Strong, the movie is set during the 1960s, a period of huge unrest in the U.S. when racial tensions are high and the Vietnam War has divided the American people. Seven individuals stage a protest at the Democratic National Convention but are arrested and charged by the federal government for conspiring across state borders to incite riots. The film follows the events of this real-life trial. Up next is Judas and the Black Messiah. This movie is set in 1960 Chicago and is based on the true story of how William O'Neill, an FBI informant, betrays Fred Hampton, the chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. Daniel Kaluuya plays the role of Fred Hampton, for which he took home the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. And the film's music has also received a lot of recognition. Its original song, Fight For You, took home an Oscar for Best Original Song. So moving on to our sixth nominee, Promising Young Woman, which took home the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. I actually highlight this movie in my previous podcast episode about film wrecks, so you can take a listen there if you want a bit more info, but essentially the movie is about a young woman named Cassie, who wants to avenge the death of her best friend, who committed suicide after being sexually assaulted. Part dark comedy and part thriller, this movie provides some provocative commentary on women in sexual assault, and its ending is definitely one that many people are talking about another Best Picture nominee is Minari. Written and directed by Isaac Lee Chung, the movie tells the story of a Korean immigrant family that moves from California to a farm in Arkansas in pursuit of the American dream. Needing help with the kids, the family invites their maternal grandmother, played by now Oscar winner Yoon Yo-jong, to leave Korea and move in with them. What unfolds is a tender story about family, resilience, and hope. The film's title takes its name from the vegetable minari, which is used in Korean cuisine. And last but not least, we have The Father. Starring Olivia Colman and Anthony Hopkins, who took home the best actor in a leading role for this film, The Father is an emotional movie about an aging man suffering from dementia. Adamant that everything is alright, he refuses help from his daughter even as his condition continues to worsen, and he starts to lose his grasp on reality, even thinking that his daughter is trying to harm him rather than help him. Many critics have lauded this film for its empathetic portrayal of dementia, and they have also praised the powerful performances from its lead actors. So there you have it, all eight nominees. I'll be honest that I've only watched Five of them, so I know I have some catching up to do. But did you watch Laskers? Have you seen any of these films? Let me know your thoughts by finding me on social. You can connect with me on Instagram at the handle Debs underscore speaking or on my blog at DebsWatchlist.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll talk to you all next time.